This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to George Mummert, Robert Taylor, Justin Higgins, Stephen Howland, DDP McCarthy, if that is your real name, Charles Muir, Daniel Berg, Alexander Almeida, I like saying Almeida, Eric Anderson, and Sean Krause, faithful, fine, spoilerites all. I probably haven't mispronounced their names enough, so we're going to throw in Throat Wobbler Mangrove, and this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture comic fans. In this issue, Hawkeye... Deathmatch, Hellboy, Rescue, <laughs> other stuff. Also, in the comic book industry, the stories are processed by two separate yet equally important groups. The creators, who basically just make crap up and stick it on the page, and the nerd herd, who preemptively head to the internet to explain why next month's comics are going to suck. These are their stories. Doink, doink! And the Major Spoilers Podcast. Where are we? We're on. Welcome to issue 512 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Doink, doink. This week, Battle of the Planets, Trial by Fire. That's the Alex Ross uh, Top Cow production joint from a few years ago. Yeah. forget what year yeah. that came out. 92? 2000. 2000. 2000, all right. 2002. We also have an interesting uh, poll of the week sent in by one of our listeners and some reviews. But first, let us get to the news. So uh, James Mangold goes to Vine to uh, tease the new Wolverine movie. Batman 1966 gets a digital comic series. The TMT casting uh, session is complete. And uh, are we more or less now excited to uh, see uh, Star Trek The Darkness uh, into the darkness or into darkness, whatever it's called. (laughs) Are we more? How about this? Darkness crossover. (laughs) Ding, ding. More. Are we more or less excited after seeing the latest Star Trek into darkness trailer? Three, two, yes, spin it. Bump, 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 uh, to use a little Vine edit. Now, for those people that don't know what Vine is, Zach, fill us in. Um, Vine's a new social media thing that came out that users can take a six-second video, and by just pressing the screen, it records what you're shooting, you lift your finger, it stops recording, you press it again, it records, you lift it, record, 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 and then it loops it forever into eternity, and you just sit there and watch everyone's films forever. And Dude, I so, have no idea what any of that meant. Oh, go back. I've uh, posted a couple of them up on, oh, I, th- I, I think, through our Twitter. I know what Twitter. a Vine is. I just, his explanation is like oh, no, it's, to a it's, old telling knock-knock It's show. brilliant. Thank you, Steven. Because here's what, here's what uh, 20th Century Fox and James Mangold did, is they slammed a huge chunk mm-hmm. of Wolverine. I mean, it's probably one image every two, two seconds or, or two frames oh, or yeah. whatever it was. And just slammed a whole bunch of Wolverine into a little six-second video, posted that via Twitter, and then the world went nuts. Did mm-hmm. you see it, Zach? I did. I saw it when it came out, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. But they cheated. 
they cheated in making a vine because that's all just one solid clip. Because you listen to the right, right, music, right. I was like, you cheaters. Yeah, it, they, but it's okay. They, it was still really cool. It. And you know, yeah, this yeah. is a deal where 20th Century Fox said, hey, here's a way that we can yeah. nab onto that cool thing that all the kids are doing today and uh, do some promotion. So, you know, they probably paid Vine a fair share of money if they don't own Vine outright through one of their uh, little conglomerates. Yeah, I think Twitter owns Vine. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they just cranked it out there. Rodrigo, did you see this six-second bit? I did. What'd you think? Uh, well, it's it's uh, an interesting way of, of doing things. Definitely, I like the idea of this super compressed trailer that is just like, Cool thing, cool thing, cool thing, pretty girl, cool thing, cool thing. Um, but it's also a trailer for the Wolverine. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's true, too. I mean, uh, we could talk about the Wolverine, but I think we've talked a lot about that recently. I guess what I'm excited about, Matthew, is just the mm-hmm. fact that here are people is here are people that are finally figuring out how to effectively use mm-hmm. the social media, whatever that outlet may be to market their product it's not just hey everybody here's the wolverine coming up no it's and a link to a trailer on some website right Mm -hmm. instead it's let's put that into the feed let us use twitter to show you the behind the scene photographs let us uh, from whatever movie and i think this is one of the few times that i think hollywood has actually done marketing right and i'm super excited about this and especially i guess in light of you know people trying to figure out how do we work in this new media world, something that I've been advocating for, you know, a a decade now. Do you like this kind of marketing, Matthew, or not? I, I like the concept. The problem that I have with Vine is that I can't see it on my phone. And so it is meaningless to me because the only time I could look at it is when I'm at home by my computer. And when I'm at my computer, I'm either writing for major spoilers or playing Candy Crush Saga. So I don't necessarily play with the Vine necessarily. Is there a Vine app for your Android? I don't think so. Ah, oh, boo. I Probably think you can still walk not. it. There's always a, like a URL link and stuff you can watch. It oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just think this is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but then I have to work. I think it's a really good use of social media. Yeah. I think that as a vanguard, it will probably lead to some – what's the word I'm looking for? Some less – effective attempts to try and sure. regain the same thing. But yeah. But well, they totally hit like a like a, a home run. Like the first time I've ever seen this, like they did it like really well. Yeah, I when we were like, talking it about was like uh, some really crappy attempt. Well really when Mark well. Webb was doing it with um with Twitter with right. Amazing Spider Man two. Right. We've seen um what's his name? Uh Vin Diesel go to mm-hmm. Facebook with uh Chronicles or whatever the new Riddick, Riddick. movie is. Just Riddick. Yeah I think it's so. uh, and I think it's really cool. I guess the only just the Riddick. Okay, he uses the Facebook to talk about the the Riddick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, he'll use the Twitter and the Vine. That's how you know Zach's old because he just says "Mm -hmm," to everything that you say. Um, I guess the one thing though that people need to understand is even though this still appears to be one of these cool behind the scenes things, all this stuff is filtered through the PR agencies of these firms. It's not like you know, Mark Webb sitting there just snapping pictures of the amazing Spider-Man set going, oh, that one looks cool. I'll put that through uh, uh, the little Instagram and then post that up. Filter on there. Yeah, yeah. It's this goes through. If you look at especially the quality of some of these pictures, these are not, uh, you know, phone snap pictures. Mm -hmm. And certainly, as you pointed out, Zach, that the Wolverine bit that we see on Vine is not the way the the consumer gets to use Vine, right? This was a heavily produced little six second 
burst of information. I still think it's cool. I do too. And it, it's amazing because Twitter's been around for I mean, a couple of years now. And oh, yeah, couple, really, sure. they're just starting to use for movie purposes a really well to show behind the scenes and stuff. And Vine's only been around for like two months, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I was like, going to say like six months, maybe like October of last there? year. I okay. Think. I just didn't. I I'd have, have to look it up. Then. But well, nothing exists before Zach knows about correct, it. Correct, correct, correct. Have you heard about this awesome new Spider-Man that he saw last week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say G1 Transformers literally don't exist yet. <laughs> oh, no, it is only been a couple months. January 24th, 2013. Hey, look at that. And oh, so Zach was right and I was mocking him. Bada boom, ching. Ah. And the fact that they can use it this well so quick is a nice thing to see, I think. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to add, Rodrigo, to this? Uh, yes. I think that um, they're probably not widely known, but I think that studios are finally, like, finally have a guy. A guy that goes, hey, there's a new thing coming out. We should be on that. And oh, yeah, instead yeah. of Instead of getting hit by a broom, now they're like, here's a million dollars, guy, go do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be that guy. Mm. Hey, there's this new thing called a blank. <laughs> we should totally be into that. I'm, I'm, have you used this? Uh, have you have you used um, what is it called? Not Samly. Um, Sumly. Have you used that app that the 17 year old sold for like 13 million dollars? Oh no, I just Yahoo? saw it today. No, I have no idea what it is. Okay, a lot of cool things out there, kids. Don't be afraid of technology. Yeah, I guess we'll say that until it takes over your mind <laughs> there's actually a web series have you watched this and it's kind of creepy because it kind of has a google glass uh type infor- in- influence where everybody is basically connecting themselves to the internet so they're getting injections and implants and everything and then suddenly the machines decide to turn everything off and like people die instantly and so now society's trying to rebuild. It's a, it's this web series. I've seen a lot of trailers for it, but I haven't sat down to watch it yet. Have, have you seen this? No. Uh, any of you guys seen this? Nope. Oh, uh, I'm going to have to find it. Um, we'll let Zach get to that. Um, yeah. I think it's on YouTube. So is it kind of like when Cypress every, pulls everyone's plug and they just drop? Spoilers. Yes. Oh, whoops. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what it, what the name of it is. One of our people will uh, get to us, but it's it's airing on YouTube right now. It's a YouTube original series, um, to go check out. Matthew, any thoughts on Batman nineteen sixty six getting its own comic book? I think it's awesome. Uh, Rodrigo, have you seen the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer, the new one, the uh, international one? Yes, I think I did. And are you more or less interested in seeing that? Um. I, I guess I'm a little bit more interested. I, I mean, I enjoyed the first one enough, but I was like, all right, whatever, whatever's in the second one, even if it looks stupid, I'm going to go see it. Um, that's that's how much I actually enjoyed the first one. But uh, there's like some stuff that I hadn't seen before. Is that the one that has like like Kirk and Spock and Sulu like in a smaller ship, like yeah, yeah, navigating yeah. the city and stuff? Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I want to see that scene. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, Zach, uh, have you seen all the casting for the TN- TMNTs or whatever that they're um, going to be called? Um, I don't think I've seen all of them. I remember the one guy was announced last week. Yep. I didn't know who that guy was. Today. Oh, maybe I did see this. I just didn't recognize any of the names, so I didn't really care. Oh, so you don't care? <laughs> okay. All right, listeners. Oh, and uh, finally, Pepper Potts' Rescue. 
I'm not going to sing the song as much as, as much as people have been, have been begging me. That's why we ask people to go back and re-download it again or buy the and ringtone. By people, he means the voices in his head. Or, or go buy the ringtone $1.99 over at the iTunes store. Um, okay, let us, uh, let's give a uh, quick thanks to everyone who's a, become a um, member of the Major Spoilers uh, Network. We're trying to reach our goal, and we are getting more and more people on board every single day. A $5 or $10 a month uh, subs- recurring subscription will get you into the member site. And uh, here in April, I think we're really close to hitting the 15% mark on our goal. Uh, when we hit that, we'll uh, open up the member site, and we will start putting some original content in there, even before we hit our big goal, so that uh, those of you who are patiently waiting uh, have something to enjoy. I agree. I if you want to learn awesome. more about that. Head over to Majorspoilers.com and read that personal appeal for me and uh, make a consideration. And I know the economy is tough and, and times are hard, but people are still uh, finding ways to say what does Major Spoilers mean to them. And uh, <laughs> M is for the math. <laughs> gay A is for the math. You I don't need to say more. <laughs> oh, I don't oh. need to hear that. Come on Jeez. now. Let's J get, let's, yeah, come here, blah, 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 blah. let's, J is for the juvenile. Do we need to say more? Yeah, Let us get to some reviews. Reviews. We could always use some more. You can find, of course, reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. Lots of them all the time. A lot of them over this past weekend. Some really good ones. Yeah. Uh, what was the, what was your uh, retro review this week, Matthew? Um, my retro review this week was a comic book. That is it, Zach. Zach, what is the name of that? H H plus. Oh, H plus. That's the. So we were just talking about that web series, H plus, produced by Brian Singer. Yes, there you go. Um, but a lot of good reviews. <laughs> Strange Adventures number one eighty, Stephen. Ooh, Animal Man. Animal Man, the first introduction of Animal Man. Yes, before he was Animal Man. Before he put on that wacky costume. He didn't put on the wacky costume for, I think, until his second or third appearance. But this is his first appearance, and it has one of the goofiest premises ever. I'm just going to say it. Mice play a part. You mean in the, the sea model. lions upturn the raft. Those kids are finished unless I can bring a new animal power into play fast enough. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Legion of Superheroes number 18. Uh, boy. Oh, my God. Look what happened to Sun Boy. Justice oh League of America God. number two. Judge Dread year one number one. If Why you're, should they do oh, Zach reviewed uh, Five Ghosts, The Haunting of Fabian Gray, and I didn't know anything about it going into it. It was just one of those impulse purchases through mm-hmm. Comixology. I really, really got a good. kick out of that yeah. series. Saga number 11, ooh, a lot, lot more. Uh, this week, though, we have some books that we want to review. Hawkeye number eight from Matt Fraction and, and David uh, Aja. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Hey, guy, come here. You know, bro. This is so, you know, one of the things that was kind of cool about the Hawkeye series when it, uh, when it first started out was that every issue was kind of this little standalone little look into Hawkeye's life, um, as he was trying to make his way. And at one point he got involved in a car heist and it felt very seventies vibe-ish and it was drawn beautifully and there was a beautiful woman involved. And then after the end of that issue, she just kind of disappeared and that was the end of it until we hit issue eight. And suddenly she's back into uh, into his life and things get rather interesting. Let's put it that way. We find out that she's involved with the Russian mob 
and uh, she needs Hawkeye's help to go and get um, uh, a safe. There are some comic books involved, so there's even some internal weird meta you know ness going on. I like that the covers in this. Uh, one of the the hooks is that uh, the woman has been sending Hawkeye all of these comic books that feature a girl that kind of looks like her on the cover, and she's been sending to him in a particular order because. And I can't tell if it's the issue of the comic or the numbers on the cover of the comic are the combination to open this safe. And if you don't get the combination right, the safe destroys all the contents inside. But people obviously want the contents inside. And so we get the Russian mob coming back into play here. We see Hawkeye trying to come to grips with his role as an Avenger and doing illegal things. Uh, it's a, Matthew, I got to give it to you. If you hadn't got me hooked on Hawkeye, I'd just be rolling my eyes every time you're like, this is the best book out there. You guys Hawkeye's better be reading awesome. this. You totally need to read the Hawkeye. It's cool. And you're right. Yeah. You totally need to read Hawkeye, Zach, you if you're not. You've only, you're only eight issues in. I dropped well, and this is the team Why? that gave us Immortal I to save money. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I really liked the series. This is the guy who did what, Matthew? This is the creative team that gave us Immortal Iron Fist, Fraction yeah, yeah. and Asia yeah. a couple of years ago. And that was the I best dug the heck out of that. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawkeye number eight, the art is great. The writing oh, is great. God. The characterization is great. You know what I mean, bro? You go buy Hawkeye number eight now. You, you got to be careful, bro, because they have problems, bro. They track to Dracula's. They come and they bite you, bro. <laughs> they t- you get that, bro? I give this one four slices of meatloaf, bro. I actually got actually, a call four and a half slices gentleman the other day at work, and it turns out he's one of the people with which I work, and he says, hello, and I said, <laughs> what is up, bro? <laughs> I did not say actually, it, but I was I, going to say it in I, my head. I changed that. Four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five for <gasps> Hawkeye number eight. Really, That's really good. Really, really good. I just enjoy reading that. There, you know, there are a bunch of books that I enjoy reading every month now. Uh, Scott Snyder's Batman, uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Um, What's the uh, the Amazing Spider Man by uh, uh, Dan Slott, or I'm sorry, the Superior Spider Man by Dan Slott? Superior. Those are the three that I look forward to reading each and every time they come out. So I'm glad I was able to pick up Hawkeye number eight last week. Uh, Matthew, hi there. Was this out last week or this week? I think it's it must out have been out last week. Future. Well, I don't know. I think it, it it may be out tomorrow. Okay, or this week, depending on when you're listening. Right. Tomorrow is the day that it is that it isn't. Uh, Deathmatch number four from Kaboom. No, not Kaboom. No, no, not Kaboom. That's the kid's imprint. Yeah. Well, this is definitely not a kid's imprint. (laughs) Uh, Deathmatch is the story of a deathmatch. And I I can't remember if it was issue two or issue three that I reviewed previously on the cast. You're doing issue four. That's out this week. I understand, but I previously did either issue two or issue Yeah, you may have. I know it's been reviewed on the site before. Yes. And at the point that I did it, I did point out and say to myself, I said, self, myself said, what? And I said, it's a little weird that we have these characters who are fitting these roles and killing each other without there being a whole lot of backstory. This is basically a manufactured universe with the implication being that we know the basic characters from their archetypes. We know that, you know, Sable, for instance, is a female Batman-type character. And we know there's a a Superman-type and a Lex Luthor-type and an Iron Man-type. We know what these basic characters are going to be. 
This issue opens with a really, really, really bizarre moment wherein the Batman analog, who is Sable, is fighting off a character who's sort of a, a steampunk Victorian Lex Luthor. And in the middle of this battle, they're like, oh, we are fighting. Oh, no, we are fighting. And he says, you realize that we're the only ones that know. And it becomes this argument between the two of them about whether they need to tell everyone else, and they keep referring to it as the prison, whether they need to tell everyone else why all the superhumans are in the prison and what's actually going on. And it has one of the best Batman one-liners where he's like, we need to think outside the box. And she, of course, knocks him on his face and says, the thing about boxes, Professor, you don't want to get stuck in one with me. Or the female equivalent thereof. I can't really do a female voice unless... That's, that's, like that's, what, that's what it was. That's, yeah, that's exactly. Hi, I'm Batgirl. But all of these characters are fascinating because you can read into them what you need to read into them. There's a character in here who is very much She-Hulk. She's not She-Hulk, but she has a She-Hulk vibe, and you know, okay... There's a character in here who is clearly kind of a Rorschach character called the Rat. And he is my new favorite superhero because he's just this creepy, creepy guy with beady eyes and a trilby hat. And I'm, I'm finding myself with every issue enjoying this book a little more because as we get the, the buildup, we also get references to things that happened in comic books that don't really exist. And if you want to earn my undying love and devotion, refer to comic books that I haven't read yet. That's how you get me to love you. All you people out there who are trying to get my attention, that's how you do it. Stop stalking me. And pie. But, don't forget pie. And pie. Yeah. And in the back, Sable's little write-up, her first appearance was in Dirt Cheap Comics number 11. <laughs> But throughout this issue, we start to see more depth into the story. And I realize that this is written by Paul Jenkins. Paul Jenkins, you may recall, did a miniseries for Marvel around the year 2000 about a character who was lost in time and space, a character who was supposedly, according to the thoughts, a lost Marvel character from the 60s that Stan Lee created and never did. And that character was the sentry. And now you know the rest of the comics. That's going to be my new catchphrase right there. The sentry was basically (laughs) a new continuity appended onto the Marvel Universe. And that's why this book is fun, because it takes, it posits the existence of this universe, you know, kind of a a Marvel-ish, DC-ish place. The art's pretty good. There's some computer effects in here that are unobtrusive, but really well done. You know how you always have the green grid lines to let you know that you're in the Matrix? Mm-hmm. They do that here, but it's not incredibly overstated. Really, this is a book that every single month, I've never read issue one yet, but every month that I read it, I'm like, oh, maybe a little bit more going on, a little bit more. And as it builds up, I'm finding myself drawn into these stories. And part of me is like, oh, I can see what happened in Dirt Cheap Comics number 11. 
And in a way, I own Dirt Cheap Comics number 11. But most importantly, Meridian is not Superman, but Meridian is the key to the mystery. And make of that what you will. Three and a half slices of meatloaf. Very strong outing for Deathmatch. There are going to be issues jumping into a book with 50 characters. I say power through it. Pick the book up. Read the book. Continue reading the book because it's really a good reading experience. It's fun. And it's comics the way they were when Paul Jenkins and I were younger. I presume he's about my – I presume everybody's about my age. All comic creators are white guys in their 40s, right? Isn't that the law? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a large amount of them. I mean you're not total, you're, you're not off base here. Yeah. So I definitely – I would say check this out. I think even Rodrigo might dig this because it has some of that weird, thoughtful kind of deconstruction that he loves and then characters with awesome names. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. And I, I mean I like I – like getting dropped into a universe that already exists. That's actually the main reason why I like the Amalgam so much. Yeah. Which is- and this very much feels Amalgam kind of-ish mm-hmm. in a good way. All of the best parts of the Amalgam that, oh my God, the implied continuity, that's all here and it's all pretty cool. Uh, Nick writes in and says, I personally am a big DC fan. I'm not really that interested in Marvel, though your review of Welcome Back Frank and Hawkeye have intrigued me enough that I might go check them out. But I feel there isn't much love for the current DC universe uh, on your podcast. Uh, or there seems well, to be a general disinterest in the DC books on your podcast. Is this true? Or am I simply reading too much into your comments? I think you're reading. Well, I can tell you what it is from my perspective. <laughs> there are books that I'm very dissatisfied with. And I'm very vocal about my dissatisfaction. But the books that I'm enjoying month over month. I'm enjoying and I don't necessarily point out. I don't necessarily say, hey, I wish, you know, actually, I think I did say I wish they hadn't canceled I Vampire. Hey, you know, Fury of Firestorm has been okay, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And hey, I think I've and I think I've jumped up and down many a time saying, Yay, Legends of the Dark Knight is back. Yeah. <laughs> Scott book they never should have been Scott, <laughs> Scott Snyder's Snyder. Batman is awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it, Scott Snyder is going to go out and marry Christopher Nolan and have babies, and Stephen's going to go, yay! I'm going to say, they are the most beautiful children in the whole world. <laughs> Take us to your leader! Um, but uh, is there a general disinterest? Well, I think kind of the answer to that is there are so many comics released every week, and yeah. because we only in this show record re- review four of those titles, mm-hmm. we end up kind of being selective, and we try to spread the love as much as we can. I think it's ironic that uh, Nick writes in with this comment because at one point we were accused of reviewing nothing but DC books <laughs> and we've been re- uh, accused of reviewing nothing but Marvel books. And I, Marvel I, books. that's actually not the case. And in fact, if you want to go no. over to Majorspoilers.com, we, yep. you'll see that we review DC, Marvel, Boom. I mean, we try to review as uh, much as we can right from all now, of the other there people. There are three of the recent DC books that just got reviewed. And I think if you click a page back, there's another couple, three. Yep. I know there were two of the big DC books from this week that were mm-hmm. covered over the weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've already reviewed a Marvel book. Matthew has reviewed a Boom Studios book, which means, Rodrigo, you must be reviewing a DC book. That's right. A DC book, which star, which stands which for... Which is an H in the middle. <laughs> yes. Dark Horse Comics. <laughs> um, wow, you spell horse funny there. 
I'm sorry. I thought it was the Chores comics. <laughs> the Chort. Hello, the Chort. Hey there, the Chort. How are you doing? Hey there. Um, How's it going? Yes. <laughs> That's what happened. Anyway, yes. I am uh, reviewing the latest uh, Abe Wait. Sapien. Rodrigo? Uh, yes. Does the Spanish word for horse start with a C? Yes. Booyaka. <laughs> but 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 the Spanish word the Spanish word for dark does not. Son of a start with a D. Uh, it starts with a D. And you'd have to reverse the the, the, the order. In any case, can I review a comic here? Do you mind? <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank Ooh, you. shiny. Um all right. So um a while back. I reviewed on the podcast. I don't know if I reviewed every issue, but at least a few issues of the last Abe Sapien uh, mini series, uh, which I believe was subtitled "The Devil Does Not Jest." Um, this one is subtitled "Spooky Scary Times," I think, or something like that. <laughs> dark, dark and terrible. <laughs> yes, dark and terrible is what it is. Um, and I was really excited about it because I was like, oh, awesome, a miniseries about Abe Sapien. I like that guy. Unfortunately, I am really, 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 really behind on all things Hellboy right now. Um, and BPRD is even worse than that. And this takes place after Hell on Earth. Right, right. Which I haven't even gotten to anywhere near. So I'm... Just just so you know, for the purpose of this review, I know very little of what's going on. But Abe is on the run from the BPRD while giant monsters are exploding all over the place. Um, which is interesting. I mean, just being dropped into a, a given situation is, is, is interesting. But this one is particularly interesting. We spend a lot of time uh, with a like getting a lot of exposition as to what's happening all over the country. Um, between BPRD meetings and um, Abe masquerading as a bum on a train and talking to the the guy the other guys on the train, and then it just all kind of like uh, the the BPRD gets a whiff of where he is. They try to nab him, but they don't, and Abe gets away. And that's pretty much all that happens in the comic. Um, it's it's clearly a setup. For what's going to happen, I don't know what all that was talked about is going to be relevant because, you know, at this point, the Hellboy verse is pretty big. There's a lot of comics that have kind of talked about what went on in that that has gone on in that universe. Just multiple volumes of Hellboy, multiple volumes of BPRD, you know, Lobster Johnson and whatever you want. Um, So... It's hard to tell what all is like a little continuity shout out and what's going to be relevant later for the plot, which is a little annoying, but you know, it's all wacky Mike Mignola fun. So it's, it's actually uh, pretty interesting. And this was uh, written by Mike Mignola with, I think someone else, Scott Alley, Scott Alley. So I don't know if that was a story and words situation or just like an outline and story situation. I'm not sure. But it, it, you know, it it doesn't feel, or or, or it feels like a min, like a Mignola joint, uh, especially with all the weird arthropod monsters uh, trying to eat you. So altogether, and largely because I'm not 
caught up. I'm going to give this three slices of meatloaf. It's it's just a big exposition sandwich, which is good. That's kind of what you want at the beginning of a, of, of a story. But it's also going to be a limited series. So, I don't know. Maybe some more action. I don't know. I, I don't know what else I want from it. The art is great. Um, there's a really scary looking worm monster in it, which I'm which I'm into. Uh, so all around, I would say a positive experience. If you can get a hold of it and you're caught up, then I definitely recommend it. Yeah, uh, this book comes out on April 3rd, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, so my book came out last week. Matthew's comes out this week. Rodrigo's comes out two weeks from now. Zach, you have a book that comes out this week. Correct. East of West, number one. Yes, a new independent series from Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I picked this up because what he's been doing on Manhattan Projects, I've oh, really, yeah, yeah. really, really enjoyed. So oh, yeah. I was like, hey, why not pick up a comic from that guy again? And I did. And what happened was not anything I expected. I expected somewhat, I think it was solicited as like a sci-fi, western apocalypse kind of story thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's that in there, but not in the manner I thought it was. Uh, so we opened the story, and three children come up out of the ground, and they like detach like umbilical cords that are attached to their body, and then oh, rip them off. Tasty. Yeah, kind of weird, creepy image at the beginning. And later, a couple of pages down the road, we see these three children sitting on a, to- a pile of dead bodies. And this is when we learn these children are the reincarnated forms of three of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Wow. And, uh... Plague, pestilence, famine. It is. These three are conquest, war, and famine. Okay. And, um... No Rob Liefeld. They're they're missing the fourth in the beginning, and they kind of figure out he's he's left us. And so, like, we have to kill him. And they are on a rampage. uh, a, A body in the pile is still alive after they have done their things. He's like, isn't there, shouldn't there be a fourth of you? And they go ape crazy and they pull out and they're just stomping the piss out of this dude. Oh, and they're just guts. Because death blood. is missing. Because yeah, and they're, they are very upset that death is missing. And we, death uh, is actually in this book, but we don't find out to the very last end uh, panel. But uh, we follow this story of a completely white man. Everything he's wearing is white. It's completely contrasted from, the colors in this book are very vivid, and then we walk into this bar, and a cowboy-looking guy, completely in white, and then we have some Native American-looking individuals, completely all in white also. Uh, they go violent berserker, tear apart this bar, more bloody, 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 rest of the book is bloody, 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 and then it's like, hey, this guy's death. Does he ride a white horse, and does... Uh Johnny no. Cash sing his theme song. <laughs> no, okay. none of this. None of this. It's a, it, this book actually takes place in the future, 2064, I believe. And America has been shaped because back in its early days, an asteroid hit Earth and the country's all united under some weird thing. But there's still a civil war happening or just happened in some fashion that's kind of mentioned but not completely explained. So the world that has been set up is uh, quite interesting. There's definitely a western element but when we go to a city they're giant to giant buildings the white house is called the white tower and there's flying cars so there's definitely a weird um uh, economy between what is and then so the other stuff that's happened uh this book has i've actually read it almost like four times by now because i was so confused the first time because i wasn't figuring out relationships between 
characters and who people were and were and were. And like every time I read this book, it gets unbelievably better. Have you ever you have? I'm going to guess you have not read any issues of Crossed. No. Okay. No. Matthew, did you read East of West yet? Not yet. Okay. I'm just the way you describe violence and some of the things that are going on. I can't help but think cross comes to mind and I'm mm-hmm. just like, I hope it's not that gory and bloody and disgusting or is it? Um, well, I don't know because they handle it in a way that sometimes the violence is happening behind and they don't really show it. Oh, okay. But then you see mass amount of bodies oh, hanging okay. on sure, the floor sure. and from the rafters and stuff. So okay. not, you're not really seeing heads being ripped off, but um, there are images of heads not on bodies and such. And at one point, death comes in this bar and he scares the bartender who he apparently has a relationship with and he's wearing a, an eye patch and he scares him so much when he figures out who death is that his eye pops out of his eye patch and because he's so scared. And that was really creepy. <laughs> and then it goes back in after he puts a gun in his mouth. It's weird. Definitely an interesting read. Um, if you've read Jonathan Hickman, it's probably pretty good because his story structure is kind of the way he does Manhattan projects where he'll tell some pages and then he'll put like a blank page with like text in it. Oh, sure, sure. And then there's more story. And that, I think that works uh, well here. Interesting read. I'm, the art is, the art's good. Nick Dragata does it. I believe he does or has done work on Manhattan projects. Uh, I can't remember the name. Nick, sound familiar? Nick, uh, Piera, I think is how you pronounce his name. Is the one that what? does the art on uh, Manhattan Project. Oh, maybe I'm just thinking of the Nick. Uh, Patera, I think is his name. Oh, that's right. Not the same artist. Then, uh, still good art. I recommend it. this book. Uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf. All right, there you go. Read. Out this week from Image Comics. Before we get into our poll of the week, Matthew. Yes. It's important to point out that if uh, people want to pick up. Some of these trades we're talking about, like the upcoming uh, Battle of the Planets trial mm-hmm. by fire that we'll be talking about in just a, a few moments. Fire! They can go buy that book over at Amazon.com. Correct. How can they do that? Well, they can do that any number of ways, but the way that we would like for them to do it would be to go to Majorspoilers.com, which you're already there. I mean, you're soaking in it. Click on the Amazon linky-malinky, which is in, I believe, the upper right-hand corner, yep. which will take you to Amazon. You can pick the book. You can buy the book. You can clickety-clickety, do all your things. You get the same great price. You get the same delivery. You get the same, hey, it's here in three days, and maybe a little something-something for the guys running the podcast and the thing that you love so very, 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 very much. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and speaking of all yeahs. Oh, Yeah. Uh, I think it's time that we get to that one part of the show that everyone loves oh, so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got it going on, don't we? <laughs> oh, my darling, now. I think it's time. It's time. Oh, there we go. Dude, I can't interrupt you if you stop talking. It's not like we haven't done this for the past three and a half years. It's not like we've done this well for the past year. <laughs> Shut up, you. You're just jealous that you don't get to play in the poll of the week. Oh, yes. It's time. <laughs> oh, that's so terrible. For the millions in attendance and the thousands of people covering their ears and shrieking every time I yell, it's time. <laughs> the major spoilers. Be careful who you step on on your way to your top because those people will be there on your way down and many of them will be your ex-wives. Poll of the 
week, 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 week. This week's week, poll week, sit week, in week, from one of our fine major week, spoilerites. Week. Battle of the X's edition. You know, sometimes breakups go really well, Zach. I don't know if you've ever yes. gone for, for a breakup before or if you've been with the same girl all your all your uh, young life. Nope. Dude, you can't date when you're under 15. No, nah, it's illegal in my town. <laughs> in your town. Uh, you know, sometimes relationships go south. No hopefully the uh, breakup. No uh, either. <laughs> uh, hopefully the breakup goes well, but sometimes your ex gets a little Woo-hoo. out of control. And uh, so that's what uh, that's what our uh, spoilerite uh, suggested this week. Is take two famous exes, mm-hmm. uh, Betty, Betty, uh, what's her last name? Ross. Or Betty Ross. Ross. Bo- Betty Boop. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and what's her name from, uh, Carol Ferris. Carol Ferris from Ferris Industries. You were so- I am bad at this. I am having a total mind wipe tonight. Uh, uh but Carol Ferris turns into, uh, uh Star Sapphire mm-hmm. after she did part of that because she was, uh, turned away by, uh, Hal Jordan. And then we have a Betty Ross who becomes the Red She-Hulk. I don't know if she does it because she's mad, but she certainly turns into a big hulking red She-Hulk. I believe there is an emotional trigger, but I can't remember what it is. Mm. I think every time she feels a vague sense of ennui with accompanying nauseous. Hmm. Well, let's throw them both in a, in a, in a ring and see uh, who, who wins. Zach, who wins? Yeah. Okay. So. You know who Star Sapphire is? Yes, okay. I do. You know who Red She-Hulk is? Um, not as much, but... She's kind of like She-Hulk. I'd, red. Yeah, Only red. that's what I assumed. It's kind She's of like the color hair. thing of Green Lantern where they're all really the same. They're just different colors. Kind of yes. like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Star yeah, Sapphire right. very much is basically a, another Green Lantern. She's a purple lantern. Right. Yeah. So I have read very little comics with Star Sapphire and none with Red She-Hulk. So I went to the Wikipedia and did some research, and I was just like, Yay. boom, boom. You know who's going to win this? He's learning. Star Sapphire. Why? One, because she can fly. Okay. Two, One. because she can make people love, and you're not going to fight someone that's in love with you. So, so what if she just turns you're Red She-Hulk? Red She-Hulk and Star Sapphire to make out. No, I want them to build a love <laughs> that Matthew surpasses the physical me. Matthew. Jeez. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll admit it. I do want to see that. But <laughs> yeah. I have that same problem when I watch The Chew in the afternoons and Aisha Tyler and Julie Chen are there and I'm just like, just kiss her and get it over with. <laughs> so you pick Star Sapphire. Yep. Rodrigo, what about you? I think that uh, Zach's idea is pretty smart, but the problem is is that oh. these two women specifically are there to fight people they love. You know, True. They, they're 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 both their ex girlfriends, but there's still like that thing going on because whenever a new writer comes in, it's like you know what? I always thought that Carol and Hal would get together, so if they loved each other. That would actually mean that they would fight each other more. So my vote is going to be for uh, the audience. Clearly, anybody who gets to watch the She-Hulk and uh, the Red She-Hulk and Star Sapphire fight or make out is going to come out ahead. If I had to pick one of them, I probably would go with Star Sapphire. I don't know. See, the thing is, this is actually a good good matchup because if Red She-Hulk is anything like the Hulk, um, which... I don't know, because the last She-Hulk that I saw was a, a space girl from another dimension. And that's when I stopped reading. Um, 
if she's anything like the Hulk, it's it's going to be a great matchup because both the Hulk and Green Lantern, which Starfire basically is, have really poorly defined limits to their powers. You're right, right, right. So this this could be a thing where they fight on forever until the writer gets tired, flips a coin, and says, I want to go just for the sake of argument. She-Hulk wins this one. All right. Uh, I went with uh, Star Sapphire simply because she's got range. You know, if she can pro- mm. uh, create projectiles, she can she can strike from afar. Right. So therefore, she wins. But I also like, I'm going to turn you into love. Love. <laughs> Gotta have love to love. Wing, wing, wing. Matthew, what about you? <laughs> um. Well, I'm of three minds on this because, of course, <laughs> of anyone course. who's listened to me fight <laughs> this particular fight before... I almost always want to side with the guy with the laser beams. Right. And in this case, Star Sapphire's ring does give her laser beam capacity, but she's fighting a Hulk. And here's the thing about a Hulk. Hulks get stronger and regenerate. So, I mean, she can go zappity, 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 and She-Hulk can go roar, roar, roar. And they can go fight, 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 fight. And, you know, they, they're they equally matched, I think, in terms of flat-out power. The energy abilities of Star Sapphire versus the cosmic gamma rays that power the Red She-Hulk. They're equally matched in terms of cleavage. Um, <laughs> so that's not really going to answer it for me. And when it comes down to it, they're equally matched in terms of contrivance to keep them super-powered and torturing their super-boyfriends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what it really comes down to is I chose Star Sapphire because she doesn't have the stink of Jeff Loeb on her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kirby said, you know, it, 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 when we go through this, I, I try to summarize what people are saying. But really, you need to head over to Majorspoilers.com and read comments in full as opposed to me just saying Kirby says, I think this would be a close fight. Um, she uh, let's see. But I think Betty uh, Ross would be able to best her. Uh, Jake says. When in doubt, go with Star Sapphire because she's got range. Uh, Sidness, I think, uh, says it's hard to fight somebody who can fling you into outer space without getting near you. Star Sapphire gets the win. Um, Alicia says, putting my GL love aside, I still had to pick Star Sapphire. Uh, Brad says, I voted for Betty. Um, Let's see. I voted for Veronica. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I mean, there's a... They should also make out. A lot of people uh, voting for Star Sapphire in the comments section. That's quite the different case whenever we look at the pure numbers at this point, Matthew. Agreed. I think when you look at the pure numbers, all day long, this one has been a fight. It has been tooth and claw and nail and hair extension and probable implants. Uh, But right now, I'm looking at 216 votes, 55% favoring Star Sapphire, over 45% She-Hulk. And this week... Steven could not have loaded the dice because both of those pictures are just plain but ugly. See, there you go. <laughs> so we're looking at a difference of right now 13, 12 or 13 votes could shift this back into Betty Ross's favor. And again, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com, cast your vote, read the comments, share your comments, show your work. I like it when people show, show your their work. work. I wish we had 216 people commenting on why yeah. they voted that way. And also, if you're on the internet right now, I want to explain it to you. If your answer is this or full stop or that is all, 
Your answer is incorrect, sir, and you must go back to the drawing board. Let's uh, take a quick break. Let's listen to uh, Cat Halo, another one of our major spoilers contributors, and his review of Jack. What is it? Jack the Giant Slayer? Jack the Giant Slayer. Jack the Giant Slayer. When we come back, we will be talking about uh, Battle of the Planets. Stick around. Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. It's just me, Cat Halo. Um, It's actually been quite a few weeks, so not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, So I'll get stuck in. While it's old news for you guys on the American side of the Atlantic, it only opened here last weekend, so I went to see Jack the Giant Slayer. Here's the thing. It's actually quite a good movie. It's not a great movie or even a very good movie, but it's definitely not as bad as you heard. It looks pretty good, even if I don't much care for the design of the Giants, and Nicholas Holt as Jack is brilliant, much as he was in Warm Bodies. His is a career to watch. The movie isn't as fun or even as funny as it wants to be, but it is enjoyable and an entertaining adventure. I'd give it three slices of meatloaf. As with all reviews, though, your mood upon seeing the movie can earn or lose it as much as a full slice, so keep that in mind when you see it on DVD. G.I. Joe 2 opens tomorrow here, and I'll be seeing it on Thursday, and will hopefully have my thoughts on it up on Majorspoilers.com shortly thereafter. But I have suitably low expectations, seeing as the first one was really rather bad. And with WrestleMania little over a week and away, I'm really in the mood to see the reigning and defending WWE champion puts boots to asses. On the comics front, I just actually just heard that Dublin is getting its first major Comic-Con. Now, admittedly, it's not until August, and I dare say it'll be quite lame and in a really nice big barn. But I will still be there. Ain't gonna miss my first opportunity to attend a proper Comic-Con. And that's about it for me. Um, I'll leave you with that. I hope everybody had a fun St. Patrick's Day. As always, you can follow me on the Twitter at Cat Halo Movies. You can actually read a, a larger Jack and the Giant Slayer review on my Facebook page Cat Halo Movies. And always check out the major spoilers forum because they're awesome. Alright guys, take care and have a great week. Hey major spoilers, it's Pierce calling from Vancouver, Canada. I was just phoning to uh, remind uh, the major spoilers uh, major spoilerites that there are this is the last week before uh, the start of the Gender Through Comic Books free course that's going on. And just recently, they put up on Comixology.com um, uh, 35% off the course reading list. And so I just want to say, even if you're not part of the course, it's a great opportunity to get 35% off things like Strangers in Paradise, uh, Superman Birthright, you know, um, some of the new stuff uh, and old stuff like The Secret Six and, you know, Why the Last Man. So um, <clears throat> I just thought I'd let people know about that. And uh, just one sort of thing, I know that, Stephen, you said that you were signed up for it. And uh, I just had a question. Um, if you thought that maybe if you'd had a look at the reading list, if there was something that you would want included, and I thought about this, and I thought that maybe, you know, like sometimes you have to drink really crappy beer in order to appreciate good microbrew. Um, maybe they should include something like, you know, like a Zenoscope book where, you know, you can really look at something that's, you know, maybe not the best representation. Um, and I, I mean, some people really like Zenoscope and teach their own, but uh, not personally a fan. So, yeah, I just had a question. If you thought that there might be some, or, you know, any of the other people, uh, 
if you had an idea about a comic book that, you know, explored gender or raised some interesting questions. Um, yeah, so uh, have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who called in. I know it was only one other person calling in, but still, we value your calls, your thoughts. And yes, I am signed we up for that you. MOOC that kicks we off next fight. week. Are you signed up for it, Zach? The gender in comics? No. Oh, okay. I think it's closed. I, I think he mentioned that uh, mm-hmm. you could still get in, but I'm pretty sure that that clo- course closed uh, not too long ago, even though a MOOC is supposed to be massive. Right. Um, I, uh, I think it actually closed. But if not, I think Comixology is a great place to go get your comics. Mm-hmm. I can't think of something that would be a terrible example to put in there. And I know the listener had mentioned Xenoscope Comics is a, is a prime example, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're trying to make the, the women's – the lead characters, the strong characters. And I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I can't wait to uh, for the class to get started. We'll see about that next week. Listeners, if you have any thoughts or you have any comments or you just want to contribute to uh, the Major Spoilers uh, podcast, just give us a call on our, uh, on our hotline number. That number, Matthew, is... 785-727-1939. Something, something, something dark side. And uh, Rodrigo, in <laughs> Spanish, that number is... Oh, I don't know. Siete dos siete. (laughs) (laughs) And Zach and Hipster, that number is? Uh, You haven't heard of it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Also want to thank uh, Tweaked Audio for their sponsorship of this show. Head over to tweakedaudio.com and you can pick up a pair of uh, Tweaked Audio headphones. Tweaked California, Tweaked Classic, Tweaked Parkour, Tweaked Natural. Those are the wood-colored ones. (laughs) Bunch of different styles, bunch of different colors. I like the ones that don't tangle up. Yes. Those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. I also like the ones that have microphones built in because I've transitioned away from just having an iPod and an iPhone yeah. to having just an iPhone. So as I'm yeah. listening to, I don't know, one of the other podcasts in the Major Spoilers Network or something mm-hmm. over at Frog Pants or one of the Kevin Smith podcasts or one of the Adam Carolla podcasts and someone calls in, it just automatically dips down. Yeah. I can say, hello, who's this? Oh, uh, yes, I'd like to talk to you about selling insurance. <laughs> oh, goodbye. And then as soon as I turn it off, it kicks right That's back what I've been in. doing on driving to work. Listen to podcast, keep it there if I can answer phone calls. I, I like the noise reduction uh, design that's in these. Really nice. The best thing is, listeners, when you go over to tweakedaudio.com and use the checkout code MAJOR, you get 30% off your price. Wow. It's over at tweakedaudio.com. Got another uh, little uh, money from them this week that said thanks for, uh, for sponsoring it. Thanks for being a part of the major spoilers. Mm-hmm. Tweakedaudio.com. Battle of the Planets, Trial by Fire. This came out in 2000. This is a Sandy Frank Productions, Top Cow Productions, and Alex Sandy Ross. Sandy Frank, Sandy Frank. Movies really, really suck. Go ahead. So I wonder, Zach, mm-hmm. before you read this book, had you ever seen or heard of Gotcha Man or Battle of the Planets? No. Or I used G-Force. to say that when I would put G and be like, Gotcha Man. But apparently Battle <laughs> of the Planets, Planets, Planets. So, Matthew, fill us in on Battle of the Planets. I remember coming home uh, from school and right before dinner time for me, yep. especially in the wintertime when it got really dark, you could turn off all the lights in the living room and you just yep. fired up Battle of the Planets and you kicked back and you were hoping that you wouldn't get called to dinner before the big ending fight was over. Yeah. In 1972, uh, there was a Japanese cartoon, Science Ninja Team Gotcha Man. If you want me to say that in Japanese... Uh, become a recurring donor. Um, no, sorry. (laughs) I cracked myself up. By 1978, though, they translated it into English. It took six years because it was that freaking awesome. 
And basically what it was is the story of five orphans, each of whom in their childhood was given cybernetic implants. And these five orphans have become super-powered agents of the government in a world which is basically 20 minutes into the future. In 78, you and I watched a version of the cartoon that was Sanity. Sanitized? Is that a good, is that a good to some word? Degree? Well, the, the problem that you have is that the Battle of the Planets program that we saw in America had some changes that were goofy, but it had some changes that most people agree were actually better. The the orchestration and the music that we loved right. is supposed to be ten times better than the original Japanese version. In, and uh, while they did cut out a lot of violence and the transgenderism of the main villain. They added some things to it in the American telling that are still kind of awesome. And then they also stuck in frickin' R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, uh, wasn't it uh, in the Japanese version, uh, Kiop was just yes. like a – would curse like a sailor? He would and curse. Then... The reason that he had the still – he had a, a that speech tick in America because in Japan he was just cursing up a storm and they were taking the basis of what he meant. And then they added in the little – uh bizarre i'm not sure what you would call it kind of a strange speech impediment yeah I yeah, guess. yeah yeah i always thought he was um you know had something wrong with him mentally i always thought he was a robot because he oh would really boop, boop, beep, boop. oh i <laughs> yeah. just thought he had a mental problem well and he was he is definitely a couple of turns off plump the cheese is not entirely straight on Kiop's cracker even in this <laughs> uh adaptation one might add i gotta say that i always love princess both yes, in, the, in Princess, the print and the animated form. Princess is a gorgeous green-haired anime babe with huge eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of the stripiest bell-bottom pants you ever did see. So stripy. Yeah, and one of the wonderful things is in the American version, they added footage to cover missing scenes where the characters would be drawn just a little bit off-model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember being eight and nine and going... I, I didn't. I didn't say these characters are off model. I was like, they look kind of funny. They well, look kind of fakey in this scene. I, I guess one of the things as we get into the story that that strikes me, and one of the, and I guess this is a nice thing to an extent, mm-hmm. is that when Matthew and I are watching a 1972 cartoon yeah. series in 1978 and 79 and 80, uh, the bell bottoms and the tight uh, biker <laughs> shirts were. Pretty much still commonplace everywhere. <laughs> they were they were kind of. Uh, I know that uh, the the uh, little t shirts that they wear those strange yeah, the motorcycle. Shorts, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had those when I was a kid. Yeah, of Mine course. Had to keep on trucking. Yeah, and Mister Natural. My mother bought me a Mister Natural t shirt. I was stunned when I found out what Mister Natural <laughs> really was. But you read but, Robert Crumb for the first time, going, "My mom bought me this shirt when I was five. <laughs> what? But you know, I, I guess. I guess on the one hand, it's nice to see them keep with that uh, fashion sense in this yeah. book. But on the other hand, it really kind of threw me because I was like, yeah, I remember this in the 70s as being tied to the fashion. Not yeah. and, and and again, if we're talking about a story that takes place in the future. Right. Oh God, I pray for humanity if 70s fashion is coming back. <laughs> a lot of Japanese fiction of the time is in a sort of semi-future kind of world. Yeah, yeah. Where it's not, it's not the future. It's clearly recognizable as, you know, Japan. The thing that interests me about the character designs 
is that the character designs are overtly westernized, even in the original version. Oh, sure. These these are not meant to be Japanese kids. Right. Which I, I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. I think for, you know, the westernization and the popularity of the series, I think that's probably part of it, is it doesn't necessarily feel like it's tied to a certain culture. Um, Rodrigo, did you watch this or, or did it pass you? I mean, I know you were moving from Mexico to the United States and there's that kind of that time skip. But ha- have no, you been exposed I, to Battle of the Planets? Yeah, I had. I had seen it and I'd seen it translated into Spanish. And I'm pretty sure completely um, or at least largely unedited because, I mean, like they didn't take out any of the blood or anything like that. Because yeah. I remember watching that show and being like, holy crap, you guys. Yeah. Like. People are being like, it's like, oh, no, it is some kind of alien that is like sucking the water out of people. And like people will be like mummified on yeah, yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah I, I, I felt that yeah, way when dead, I fe- like corpses everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that way when I finally got the uh, the Gotcha Man series that they finally released on DVD. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a- awesome. Reliving my childhood. Holy crap. What is this? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, it's really doc- intense. It was a really intense show. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's got and, the original you know, the theme song part. and everything. It's just it's the Japanese yeah. with the the straight English translation um, of the original Japanese, and it's not watered down or any of that stuff. No, there are actual secondary adaptations as well from the original version. There's uh, a couple of different versions, and the uh, what is it, the uh, Eagle Riders from the era of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in the '90s. Eagle Riders was so offensive to me Mm. and i don't know why because it was basically the same story but they changed their names which granted these are not the names of the original characters either but i don't know it just it it seemed sacrilegious somehow or whatever word does not make me sound like a an inappropriate jack wagon yeah yeah (laughs) so um who wants to give us a, a rundown of this story it's very short Trial by Fire is a three-issue, uh, I guess, mini-trade. I mean, it, you, I really couldn't call it a trade, but that's how it's sold, still sold, uh, in that three-issue series. Rodrigo, you want to give us a quick rundown of, of kind of the general overall story? How many issues are we doing? Because I actually issues. read the whole thing. Three, oh, first okay. Three issues. Uh, yeah, first three issues. Okay, so... Oh, I read the first... The, I read them originally when they came out. Well, yeah, I did that too, but... Jerk. The Destroy All Monsters trade has uh, the nine issues. Oh, okay. Plus the Mark one shot. Mm -hmm. This one only had the three. All right. So, Rodrigo, give us a rundown. There is a super science ninja team made of teenagers, and the government is like, hmm, maybe we should use the super science ninja team. And some other government entities are like, no, we shouldn't. They're stupid. So meanwhile, there are like alien invasions. And then a robot turtle shows up and is like, ah, the city. So they're like, okay, Super Science Ninja team, you have to go in and you have to check out this iron turtle. They're like, okay, we'll do it. So they fly in and they're like, oh, no, we are waiting too long on this iron turtle. Let's kick some butt. So they start butt kicking. And they almost very narrowly get their own butts kicked in the process. But they destroy the Iron Turtle, or rather kind of cause the Iron Turtle to self-destruct. And um, in the process, save the city. 
thus guaranteeing that they will not be necessarily immediately shut down by the government. Um, in the process, they do sustain heavy damage. Uh, Keop pretty much goes off his rocker mm-hmm. yeah. in the process. Mm-hmm. And um, although they accomplish, they don't technically accomplish what they were supposed to because they were just supposed to get intel. They accomplish something else, which is to destroy the thing. And even though that's a good thing, we are kind of left like looking at them while they lick their wounds and kind of punch each other because they're mad about the mission yeah. going sour. And all of the proof that it is an alien invasion is right. lost in the battle. Although my understanding is that in later issues, everyone comes to grip that this is, in, is indeed an alien invasion and that these aliens are among us. Yeah. Right. That happens in the issues that we read, but you didn't. I did not read them. <laughs> or yeah, eventually, eventually Spectra becomes Spectra. A, a full-on public threat that everybody right. knows about. Right. And Spectra. So, um, Matthew, I guess, how does this, yes. how well does this fit in with um, the overall series? I know that we have seen Alex Ross... And this is, you know, a few years before he got on the dynamite kick of bringing back all of his favorite uh, Golden Age heroes. Well, and Ross is literally our age. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, you know, I made the joke earlier that all the comics creators are white guys in their 40s. Alexander Ross, the guy who writes and draws all of these awesome comic books and goes doop de doop de doop, is, I believe, the exact same age as I am. So he grew up with this series. And when they brought this back, Ross wanted to capture everything that he loved about the book when he was – or about the, the show when he was a kid while also giving it a more realistic sort of vibe and taking out some of the silliness and some of the stuff that was to sanitize for the the gentle kids of the 70s and 80s who we didn't have all these horrible things that you guys, we didn't have the saw movies and the crossed comics. All we had was Betty and Veronica and the threat of nuclear disaster and super chicken. Well, we did have that, but (laughs) I like super chicken. Super chicken is pretty awesome. Super chicken was good times a couple of years ago. And by a couple, I mean, probably 10, um, the cartoon network had picked up the rights to battle of the planets. And they were playing the Battle of the Planets episodes and playing them back. And Attack of the Iron Terrapin, or I believe they called it the Space Terrapin, was the first American episode. Right. And these first three issues are kind of an updated adaptation of that story to some degree with the added expectation of X-Files era America that there's always something sinister going on within any, any government agency. There's always corruption somewhere. Right. Uh, what about you, Rodrigo? Did you f- get the same sense that this was a nice fit with the uh, the original series? Like uh, a uh, an adaptation, like a, a a good adaptation of it. Uh, not na- necessarily an adaptation. Well, yeah, sure. Go ahead, an adaptation of of that. Yeah, I thought it was fun. It it kept a lot of what um, made it interesting to begin with. I mean it. There's a look to G4, a look that has that is now really, really so outdated that it has come back around to being cool. Right. Yeah. Um, I love, absolutely love the uniforms for the Spectra troops, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, 
So I think I honestly, from what I can see, mostly what this did was take those stories and kind of clean them up and give them a little bit more continuity between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just present them again. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't remember a lot of the plot lines, but yeah, this I is just kind don't. of a, a, like, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it really to me feels like G force plus footnotes all together. Yeah. It, it's kind of like G force updated, Mm-hmm. Or it, the same story, not necessarily the same story, but similar stories being told from the expectation that we are now 40. Right. Me and Alex Ross and that we want that additional depth and that. And and that this is how comics are written now and that this is the medium that it's written yep. for. I guess I guess for me, I liked it because like I do remember all of these elements, but like Rodrigo, I don't remember a lot of the story points. The only one that I ever remember, I think, was one where Princess was kidnapped yep. and – I don't know, put in some kind of stasis chamber of some kind. I I don't remember everything about it. Um, But this felt like, hey, I am revisiting a lot of the same ideas that we saw before. The Mark and Jason rivalry, uh, Tiny with his love of machines, Keop and his little weirdness. uh, And then, of course, and then, of course, Princess. Um, But from, from the story standpoint of for those of you that remember this and tangentially remember this, here you go with a cool story of them fighting a giant space turtle. Right. And so I liked it from that general standpoint. Now, Zach, uh, mm-hmm. as someone who has never been exposed to Battle of the Planets or Gotcha Man. Correct. Correct. What's your what's your feeling on this? Your your big reaction to this? It was okay. I liked the art a lot. I mean, that was cool. And this the story was not anything mind-blowing, to say the least. Um, I thought the interactions from the kids were pretty cool. I was disturbed by... What's the little kid's name? The little number Keop. four? Keop? Yeah. Because he looked about six, and apparently he's a stash of porn, and I thought that was really weird. <laughs> I think he's... <laughs> Have you I never been he's six? he's supposed <laughs> to be 14. Really? Or 14 or 15, and the others are closer to 17 and 18. Oh, I thought okay. they were always closer to like 20, 21. No, oh, they're I believe teenagers. Mark, they're yeah, like Mark specifically the teenagers. Oldest. Either Mark or Jason are the oldest, and they are supposed to be 18-ish. Mm. Well, he did not He did not look like that. I was like, that's kind of weird. But whatever. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, what specifically didn't you like? Just, I don't even know how to explain it. Use your words. It wasn't bad. It's not like it was bad. It was just like familiar to a sense. I kind of watched it and I was like, I didn't watch it. I read it. And I was like, oh, this kind of feels like it's going for a team superhero comic, especially with the Hail Spectra. I was like, really? Really? And just like weird little stuff like that kind of threw me off and didn't really find it sure perfect I, I guess and i don't know was there another battle of the planet series before this one matthew as far um, as the like comic books go well let's define series there are actually a couple of them there was a, a gold key adaptation in the 70s okay so i'm not going to count a, that one a gold key adaptation doesn't really count right and i want to say that they had a run in like tv comics in europe 
Okay. So I'm not going to count um, those because it wasn't really for American audiences. Well, I guess what I'm talking about is um, this week mm-hmm. on Dueling Reviews, you and I are going to take a look at Green Hornet, Mark Wade's Green Hornet number one. That follows like right on the tail of the previous Green Hornet series that Dynamite had. Right. Um, now, I don't know if there's a connection between those two series or not. I'm going to guess probably not. But I was wondering if because we're kind of dropped right in the middle of the story, mm-hmm. um, you know, was there a series before this one? And now this is like volume two or something of of this series. No, the issue one that we read here is the first Battle of the Planets issue one in probably 20 years. Okay. So I, I remember when this was a big deal. I remember seeing, I think, uh, Wizard was still around at the time and had a big oh, yeah. cover thing and a big poster thing with that. And the Wiz- Alex well, Ross Wizard art. loved Alex Ross. Yeah, yeah. Alex Ross could have, you know, scribbled on a toilet paper roll and Wizard would have made a cover out of it. So I guess I can kind of see where you're coming from, Zach, in that if I had a drawback, it felt like I'm missing a chapter somewhere. Yeah. Like, how did they get to this point? This is not their first adventure. Because apparently they've been out and done this stuff before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of felt a little weird about that. Rodrigo, did you have any overall problems with the story? I mean, other than that, I really didn't have any major issues from the story perspective. Not really. Although I can see the the idea that it seems familiar because it's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. You know, even even in the like super secret infiltration of government agencies that that's straightforward i mean you expect Mm -hmm. a shadow cabal of government agents to be doing something spooky behind the scenes yeah um so this is all very straightforward so if i think if you don't come in with that uh impulse of of nostalgia Mm -hmm. then you are going to find something that seems weirdly outdated and kind of uh, very straightforward unless just uh, unless like the art really resonates with you and the character design really resonates with what you like or um or for some or you are very young because sometimes you know that that definitely helps if this is like if this is your first exposure to that kind of you know Japanese Super Sentai team aesthetic, then mm-hmm. you're a lot more likely to like this. And the other way, if you're the other way around, if you've seen Power Rangers and if you've seen the derivations thereof that you've seen in the United States, then looking mm-hmm. at this, you're going to be like, oh, well, this is just trying to be Power Rangers. You you mentioned, Rodrigo, that this kind of has the, the nostalgia factor in there and that a barrier might be, uh, I think... It, more or less that it has an older design. Is that a flaw, Matthew? Is I mean, that, that's what I talked about is that it kind of threw me for a minute when I saw everybody still wearing these seventies designs. Is, is that a barrier for people? Do you think, or is that something that well, you just embrace and say, ah, oh, those crazy Japanese people, what do they think of next? I think the important thing yeah, to remember uh, is <laughs> if it's a flaw, it's uh, it's a, a flaw that was intentionally introduced into the design. Mm-hmm. One of the weaknesses of Alex Ross as a creator for me is his intent to reproduce as faithfully as possible stories that he has already loved. Right. Uh, If you remember Kingdom Come, Martian Manhunter had a very small role. And when asked in Wizard Magazine, why was the Martian Manhunter, why did he have such a small role? Alex Ross's response was, and I'm paraphrasing, he's not part of my Justice League because he was never in Super Friends. 
Well, but isn't that the same argument that that Jeff Johns would make about bringing back Barry Allen or how how Jordan? You know, those are the people that I remember. Alex Ross is these are the people that I remember. And Maybe, but I, that, I can see, I can is, see, I can see the execution. Sure, in sure, Ross's sure. Case is a lot less transparent, a, a, not necessarily derivative, but a, a lot less original in what we're doing. Because I, I can see if we look at this issue, it really is essentially a retelling of that first mm-hmm. that first episode, Attack of the Iron Terrapin. I can see now kind of where you come from with your dis, oh, general dislike of Alex Ross art. Because he is so married to that, well, this is how it originally was in this time period, so therefore I must mimic it. Or Superman must be wearing the loose-fitting pajamas instead of the tight-fitting shiny suit because that's what George Reeves wore in, you know, 1952 or whatever year it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I guess I can kind of see that from the art perspective, but still, he does some phenomenal stuff. Sure, and... I'm not necessarily saying that I don't care for his work. There are certain pages and panels that are amazing. There are problems that you come into when, for instance, the stunt casting becomes problematic. And I think that that, again, is an example of that same thing. I, as a creator, do what I love. Alex Ross, as a creator, does what he loves. So if Alex Ross wants, say, Reed Richards to look like Russell Johnson, that's what right. we're going to get. Now, we should we should also point out that the art direction is from Alex Ross, who basically right. kind of like um, – um, oh, crap. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright would kind of direct his uh, drafts people to work in his style. Um, Wilson uh, Tortasa. Wilson. Wilson Pickett uh, and Shane Law are the ones who are doing the pencils and the colors here mm. right. after Alex Ross's direction. So he has a heavy influence. So don't think that listeners who haven't uh, heard this yet, that you're thinking that you're going to get page after page of painted Alex Ross no, no. art. Yeah. Well, Cause that's and, not quite the, I do like the, uh, and, and for, again, from my memory, as I'm going through the pages again, from my memory, uh, I remember that uh, every so often you would get a princess panty shot in huh? the TV series. And there's a panel where they specifically throw that out at the uh, at the viewer. Yeah, her uniform has has a skirt over a leotard, which yeah. part of that again that's something that harkens back to the original expectation, right? And in a lot of ways, I think that the nostalgia factor for me is a triple level nostalgia factor. But I think it is one of the primary things that makes this attractive to me is. It's dealing with, A, something that I actually remember from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. B, something that heavily informs the Super Sentai series that I now love as an adult. Sure. And, and C, it's something that if you look at this, it feels like a 70s mm-hmm. cartoon. It feels like something from that time period, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it in a dated way. It feels – Almost like as much a period piece as the Shadow comic that we're seeing, right. or you know, and we're going to be looking at Mark Wade's Green Hornet in the near future, set in the 1930s. It's kind of a period piece. This is 70s dystopian future. 40 years later, which is 30 years past the future of the dystopian <laughs> future. Yeah. Did you guys enjoy it? I mean, Zach, did you enjoy this? I mean, after reading it, or did you? Was this something that you just? Hated terribly. No, I didn't hate it. 
it was just the fact that like this isn't anything new and it's not done in a way where it feels fresh to me even though it's uh somewhat formulaic um i really like i like the the art i thought the art was really nice except the helmets those beaks are completely impractical they shut out like a two feet you can't you can't do anything with that you'd be running into walls you can't turn around unbelievable that that's, that's impractical so would you recommend this to anyone no would you no, be wouldn't. interested in reading the next six uh, issues to find out what happens next i would probably read i might read another three issues just to see what happens with the kind of with the ending that happened and see what the kids do in the face of a somewhat failure of their mission. And I don't know, just give it another chance. Cause I mean, there's nice, it's nice to look at. It's got that going for it. Okay. Rodrigo, what about you? Uh, this was, this was fun for me because it, to a certain degree, kind of gave me a new context to talk about. Mm-hmm. Gacha man. Because I saw it so long ago in a different language that now at least it's, like, given me an update of, like, the terms that were used in English so that I can actually talk about the show. Right. Um, Doesn't do much more than that for me, other than, as Zach said, is something nice to look at. Um, I did read ahead of this, and you get a lot more information, and it is interesting, and they set up a lot of backstory, but also... There's a lot of that, like, villain, like, really old school, like, Skeletor-style villain posturing and, like, (laughs) just stuff that seems very impractical, you know, by today's standards of villainy, if you will. Like, stuff that is really over the top. And I'm just like, you know, I think even as a kid, I would have been like, really, really purple Batman? Is that how you're going to play this? (laughs) Yeah, nice lipstick, by the way, Mister yeah, Purple, Purple Batman. Um, I enjoyed this for the nostalgia factor. I really do want to read uh, the rest of the issues in this for some reason, and I know that we just grabbed the trade for some reason. I think buried somewhere in that nerd room of doom, I was picking up these issues when they came out. You that is a recollection. I, I bet I was just from the cover art. It would have been just barely pre-major spoilers. Yeah, when you were and you know, I, buying everything. And I was literally buying everything. So I would bet that in an unsorted box, one of these days when Zach actually is working for us, one of the things he'll do is <laughs> go in there and sort that room Yay. and clean it up. Oh, the nostalgia. Do it now. <laughs> um, so I, I, I enjoyed these first three issues. I, I thought this was a great lead in. I want to see what happens next. Um, and I think that people who remember Battle of the Planets... I think would enjoy this as well. Is it for everyone? Probably not, but certainly for people that remember battle of the planets, I say, go check it out. Matthew wrap us up here. I like it. And I think that you should go check it out. If for no other reason, then it gives you a good expectation of the stories that we got in the seventies. And there, I mean, there is a decent kind of, X-Files-y sort of lost overarching giant plot line. There's some fighty-fighty, some kicky-kicky. There's just enough conflict 
to make the team kind of 1960s Silver Age Marvel conflicty without having it completely devolve and collapse in on itself, which is a big problem when you have kind of that leadership role. But most importantly, I like this and it's really neat. And you should totally read it because they got like bird suits and they go pew, pew, pew. And then you can go and watch Jetman and go, hey, Jetman is totally a takeoff of this. Yeah. Man, I remember, just off topic, but I remember in class, someone came in with the Gotcha Man playing toy. Um, And it was so awesome because it was like diecast metal. And this was right at the end of metal toy, you know, like die cast metal toys. Yeah. And they, before they all became plastic pieces of crap. But I, I was in second grade and I was just like, Oh my God, this is like the best thing ever. <laughs> and the kid was like, I think he was one of those kids that kind of got anything they wanted. And he was like, "Eh, you want it? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and then my mom made me give it back. Oh, Oh, at least that's what I remember. But then again, I was in second grade. So what do I know? That's true. You may have actually stolen it from a kid. <laughs> I may have hit him <laughs> over the head with. I may have hit him over the head with the uh, the the plane. Your mom made you give it back because it was a blood soaked ruin, <laughs> and the yeah. child lost an eye. What are we What are we going to look at next week? I don't know. I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking something along the lines of something from Archaea. They sent us a Ooh. big box of. Uh, of books of upcoming books and books that have just recently been released. I think maybe we can check that out. One of them looks kind of thick, but I've been interested in this because it's got a lot of play recently. Can uh, it not be 500 pages? No, it's not 500 pages, but I'm pretty sure it's about 200 pages, 150, 200 pages. Shouldn't be a big deal for us to get through. We will look at that next week for major spoilers. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Batman's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the hard call to follow an entire storyline. What I really even need 
keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king set the wind Copyright 2013. Prolonged usage is ill-advised. That's my new ringtone.